HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is made possible thanks to listeners like you. Want to support independent food radio? Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate today. Welcome to the Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guest is Coralie Dulachanel. We'll talk to Coralie about women in wine, the Loire, and La Grange Tiffin. Um, I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Coralie and her fourth generation winemaking husband, Damien Dulachanel, are the proprietors of La Grange Tiffin Winery in Ambois. Coralie joined the winery in 2008. Lagrange Tiffane makes precise, beautifully balanced, terroir-driven wines in the Loire Valley of France. Uh, welcome to the show, Coralie. Hi, welcome. Did I Thank get all you. that right? <laughs> yeah, it's all um, right. My French is terrible, so you'll Don't just worry. correct me and everything. All right, Coralie, I want our listeners to get an idea um, of who you are and what you're doing. So give us a little background on your journey in life and wine that got you to the winery. Yeah. You know, obviously, you met up with Damien, and you started almost a dozen years ago. So take yeah. me on that trip to current. All right. So I'm coming from east of France, from Alsace, and I was studying um, at the university biology and microbiology, and I was really interested in um, brewery, in beers. Beer. So I wanted to be a brewer okay. first. <laughs> And uh, I couldn't join any school to make beer, so I joined uh, the university in Reims, in Champagne, to start with wine. And I really liked it. And um, I carried on working and decided I was not good enough. I didn't have any, uh, any more, uh, so any enough knowledge to right. carry on with that. So I decided to go back to the university. And after being working in Maine, yeah, in the U.S., in Maine, and in Beaujolais. I end up in Bordeaux, where I started again at school, and I met my husband, Damien. At school? Yeah, so uh, not at school, at the university, at the university. studying uh, enology, studying winemaking. And um, 
we decided af after being graduate to travel because he knew that he was but somewhere there you fell coming in love. back yeah <laughs> we left that part out but yes right <laughs> yeah okay go ahead so um we traveled for one year in california and south africa and after that we came back to amboise uh, where Damien took over from his father in 2002. And um, when I ended up in Amboise, I didn't know anything about, about wine in the Loire Valley. So I needed to, be, to make my own experience before doing anything. So I did work in other places. And then in 2008, I decided it was a good time to join Damien and it was okay for him to welcome me uh, at the estate. And we started to work together. And that, you said, was 2008? 2008. Okay. Yeah. And when you got there, what did you start doing right away? Huh. There is so many things to do in an estate that you start with maybe the harvest and the winemaking, which I was able to, to make because it was my, my studies. Um, and I started to know a little bit more about the vineyard, which I didn't know anything um, about the grapes. You were more of an inside yeah. than an outside, yeah. so you got yourself out in the field. Yeah, I was, I was more um, efficient in the winemaking, but also in the, in the marketing, sales, um, uh, exporting. Right. So I was more in the, in the business of the, of the wine, but not producing the grapes. Not in the production. So I really learned everything with the production with Damien. And, um, yeah. You wanted to know every aspect of the business. Of course. Yeah. I needed to know everything. All right. We'll, we'll talk about the winery in a minute. But I wanted to get your take on something. Um, every June, we do Women in Wine on the Grape Nation. And all our guests, you know, are the best women in the business. And that includes you. And I want to get... Um, your take about women in the wine business. When you got into the business, even when you were in school and when you got into the business, were there any challenges or adverse effects being a woman, being in the wine business? Um, I really came in a wine business step by step. By step. I, when I came in the wine business, it was really step by step. So I didn't have to prove everything at the same time. So I really enter gently. So maybe first with administrative things, with sales, with uh, wine producing. And Damien was really um, uh, full time in the, the estate. And he just let me enter, let me work with him, let me uh, learn, learn with him. And um, it was a very nice, uh, gentle transition for me. And I, I didn't have a hard time to be a woman in this business. Um, it didn't matter that you were a woman. That's what I feel. But you were also, it was somewhat insular because you were spending most of your time at the winery, right? Yes. I mean... It, when would you get outside? I mean, you were very busy. So when I, I mean, right yeah. now you're in New York at yeah. your portfolio tasting. Yeah. So, you know, fast forward. And at the beginning, the thing was uh, really um, uh, strange for me is I was uh, 
Damien's wife, but not Coralie. I was Damien's wife. And uh, I got a hard time to tell everybody that I was really part of the business. I'm not the wife of Damien. I'm Coralie de Lecheneau, and I'm doing the wine with my husband. So that's part of the answer. Part of the answer is people didn't necessarily accept you as Coralie. You were Damien's wife. Exactly. It, it took time for you to be at the winery, I guess, and make a name. Exactly. And that's why uh, when I joined Damien on his label, it was only written Damien de Lecheneau. And since I arrived, uh, we put Coralie and Damien. And he was very clever for that. He really let me enter in the, uh, in the estate. So answer this hypothetical. If Damien had a brother, would you, you were Coralie was Damien's wife. Mm -hmm. If he had a brother, they wouldn't say it's Damien's brother. They would say Damien and his brother, you know, whatever yeah. his name is. Because he's another male, so yeah, but, it's an uh, acceptance thing, I think. So he, he's got a brother, but the brother had nothing to do with, right. the, with the wine business. And Damien, when he took over from his father, created everything. So he was talking about La Grange Tiffaine and Damien de Lecheneau. And, um, and that was him at the beginning. Right. That was Damien at the beginning who created the real interest on the, on the, right. uh, on the La Grange Tiffaine wines. Have you seen, since you joined the winery, God, it's almost a dozen years, have you seen more women come on the wine scene? Are there, let's talk about the Loire. I mean, do you see women in your role? Do you see more women doing everything? Or is it a little more of the same? Uh, you know, I'm not um, uh, coming originally from Loire, so well, it's you're, been only you're, 15 years that but I'm... But your time seen, there, yeah, have you yeah. seen any... I see uh, more and more women my age, a little bit older, a little bit younger, uh, being part of the business with uh, another man. And I also see a lot of women doing everything by themselves. And I'm proud, I'm, I'm surprised, I'm... I feel they are very strong. And because for a woman running an estate just by herself is such a strong word. So, such is, a strong so word. there's more of that going on today than when I, you got there 12 I years ago? I think so. Or we are, I think so too. There is a focus on that. And so we can see more women because they are more uh, visible. So you can see them. You right. can hear from them. Right. Yeah. Well, I think they're more visible because there's yeah. more of them. And there is more is... communication for her. So if a young woman came up to you, you know, in a restaurant in France or, you know, in a tasting room or something and said, I love wine, I love the business, I would love to go into it, would you encourage her? Of course. Why not? Why not? If you look at Pascaline, she's just the best example for that. And We're she, talking about Pascaline right. Lepeltier, okay. <laughs> who's a master sommelier, and I can't even list the other awards, but her passion and, you know, as an educator. But if, if a girl is really, a uh, girl is very, have a, has a uh, real interest uh, on the wine industry, wine business, wine tasting, I will just say, go, go for your dream, go for it. But it's tough. It's hard work. But it, it's hard work everywhere, even for a man. But I think it's easier for a man than a woman. I, I had uh, Michelle Smith-Chapelle on from Domaine Chapelle in Beaujolais. 
and it's her and her husband. And I see her in Instagram pictures, like with a hand tiller. You know, I mean, they're out there. I'm sure you're out there. That's what the business is. It's it's a a passionate and love thing, right? Um, I want you. So you guys farm about 15 hectares, um, and you are certified organic. Organic and biodynamic. And biodynamic. Um, I think one of the things collectively you and your husband have been able to do is apply scientific precision, I think because of your formal education, to natural winemaking. I- explain what you do or how you do. Is that a fair yeah. way to put it? Um, it's, I'm very ups- upset with the, t- with the word um, natural wine. Well, that was my next yeah. question. <laughs> so let's just use that a okay. term and then I want you okay. to tell me what natural wine is to you and is that even the right name but how do you practice okay um for us it's um important to have all the knowledge that we can find on uh, winemaking but also uh, the vineyard farming so in the vineyard and also in the cellar and so because we have scientists past uh, past education then we i think we can see what we want to do, what we do not want to do, when a wine is uh, going on the wrong way, what we, what we can do without adding any um, awful things in the, in the, van, right. in the wine. Um, so we have a scientist uh, background and we are proud of that because we know exactly what we want to do, compare to what we're supposed to do. So you're a little more analytical and you have that science background. Now, you know a lot of wineries, winemakers are just old farmers. You know, they have no science background. Yeah, but we also know people who are really focused on the analysis and they make wine and they correct the wine just by regarding the, the, the number of all the um, analysis. And we are really against that. For us, we are making the wine with our palate, with our cellar, our barrels, our natural yeast. Um, and at the end, when the wine is in bottle, then we do the analysis because we need to have it to export the wine. That's exactly the answer I was looking for. Um, there's a respect for soil and nature and you know, oh, yeah. everything. That's it's important. It's so important. Um, so let's talk about natural winemaking. I, I don't like the term either. It's thrown around a lot. Um, in wine, it's misunderstood. In food, it's even worse. You go to a supermarket, they put natural on everything, and it has nothing yeah. to do with natural. W- what do we call it? There's ah. a movement Why? where people care about... You know, the soil, the fields, the winemaking. I mean, you could say, you know, you're an organic winemaker, you're a biodynamic, but what is the movement? And so I do not have the word for what I think. I don't like the word um, natural wine, but what we try to do is really to have a very precise juice, a very precise wine without any... Default. So I don't know the word of default in no, English. Default. 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 Yeah. So yeah. Anything or fault. wrong? Fault. Yeah. Okay. Um, we want a precise wine, bright wine, a wine that talks in your glass, talks in your palate, 
and a wine that tell a story, the story of the soil, the story of the winemaking, the, the, the story of the natural geese who made the wine. And we want something precise. We do not want something crooked, something uh, dirty, something uh, changing. And so natural wine for me, it's natural grapes. You have to have uh, organic grapes or biodynamic grapes. You cannot have uh, dirty grapes making natural wine. So it's Agreed. precise grapes, ripe grapes, natural grapes. And then try to put as less as you can in the winemaking. Low intervention. L low inter intervention means you check your wine, you try to understand the way the wine is going. Low interven in intervention, but if you need to do something, you're supposed to do it before it the wine change into vinegar, into something wrong. So you need to be very, um, to pay attention to your wine and to be very next to the wine, uh, close to the wine, to, to know exactly what's going on in your, in your tank, in your barrels, in your bottle. I think natural wine does nothing to describe that. I mean, Isabelle Legeron has launched the Raw Wine Fair and she's created her own standards and raw wine certainly is a better term than natural wine but that doesn't even do it. And I think everyone practices differently and has a different philosophy um, as But far as how they do it. Well, for me, um, uh, wine with default, with faults, uh, are very trendy in certain uh, s circles, in certain, for certain person. Uh, but more and more people are coming back from this dirtiness in the wine. And people who love wine, they love precise wine. Right. I agree with that. Um, let's talk about Lagrange Tiffane. Um, you make wine in different regions in the Loire, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Tell me the regions. <laughs> okay. Is it three different regions? No, in fact, so we have 15 hectares at Lagrange Tiffaine, Domaine Lagrange Tiffaine, and the 15 hectares are split half in Amboise, where we are located, and right. half in Montlouis. Right. And Montlouis sur Loire is 100% Chenin Blanc, so only a white wine appellation. And in Amboise, it's Chenin, Gamay, Malbec, which is Cot, Cap Franc. And we have just a little bit of Sauvignon. So we have those two appellations. On one side, Chenin Blanc with Montlouis sur Loire. And on the other side, red, a little bit of white, and a little bit of rosé on Touraine and Touraine-Amboise appellation. And the winery is in? The winery is located in Amboise. Amboise, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so... When you talk about somebody like Pascaline and her friend Alice, they're so obsessed, you know, with soil and rock and all of that. Let's talk a little about the Loire and, you know, your wineries. Let's talk about climate, soil terroir, and grape and varietals. You just mentioned all the grapes yeah. that you vinify and all that. But what type, is there a diversity of soils in those two areas? So... Um, what type you of should, Yeah, you should imagine Loire as the... Um, Uh, as the longest, the biggest uh, area in France where you can find uh, vineyards and appellation. So it really starts from the middle of France, like in Massif Central, 
with uh, with um, the how do you say the la source the the quail so the of the the beginning of the river you know uh, when it goes out the mouth of the river no la, um, the la delta source. no no that's the end delta the end. is the end but the, the, beginning. the beginning when it goes out of the rock and well we know it's the okay. beginning of the river okay. <laughs> that's fine la source right Sorry. So it really starts from There the beginning word, of like the There is a word, like estuary or something. No, no, estuary is the yeah. end. <laughs> Daniel, what's the name of the, just the beginning of a river, you know, the, when it goes out of the, of the rock? The delta? No, no that's, the the end, that's what I said. The, the delta, the beginning of the river, la source. Is, no, I don't know. It's the mouth. All right, move on. Okay, Go okay. Ahead. So, so yeah. Loire River is really large, very big as a as a, a wine region. So you have so many different appellations, so many different soil, and so far I really don't know everything. So I know that you have middle of France, Loire from the center of France, and then you arrived on. Uh, Sancerre area and then on Touraine area and then on Anjou Saumur area and then on Muscadet area so it's very very large so with, with totally different soil uh, mother rock and so here in Amboise it's clay with a lot of silex uh, so in Amboise it's quite heavy soil that stick on your shoes and you arrived after one meter or um, five, six, seven meters on the limestone, the mother rock, the limestone. And in Montlouis, it's the same structure, so clay with silex and then limestone. Uh, but in the clay silex, you have a lot of sand because it's between two rivers, and so you have a lot of uh, sand, so it's much more light right. as a soil. Right. Um, what about climate is the weather challenging is it consistent i know each vintage varies uh, climate is just a nightmare right now <laughs> yeah um in april middle of april we had to fight against the frost um, the vines are in advance with uh, 15 maybe 20 days which is a lot When I started, we harvest always end of September till mid of October. Right now, since few years, we start early September and we finish end of September. So which that's is later than ever? No, that's earlier. 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 So does climate change? Of course. Global warming have of an course. effect? Have you seen a change in the dozen of years course. you've been there? You know, the, the, the parents and grandparents and old person in the wine, wine business uh, in the area, they were talking about one year of frost every 10 years. And right now we are uh, on five years of frost. Five years in a row of frost? Almost within the, the seven past years which is, it's hard to work in the vineyard and with the climate and the climate changing. And so for me, it's uh, so important that people uh, react with that and that people um, uh, get uh, conscious about right. the, the weather changing, the climate changing. And it's difficult for us because We cannot change every year the, the, the style of uh, culture and uh, one year producing uh, we, uh, a maize, one year producing... So we have the vines and we need to, to make uh, grapes without 
uh, with uh, those uh, out of those vines. So we really need to fight to have a production. Is it with the conditions you just described to me? Is it even that much more difficult? Growing organically and biodynamically. There is no no consequence. No In fact, consequence. Uh, it's it it can be difficult to to farm uh, organically and with the biodynamy if you have a lot of rain, a lot of rain, and uh, that happens uh, in '17. It was very rainy. The spring was very rainy, so it was tough, very hard. Um, to have a grape without any mildew. Right. Yeah. That's where I was uh, going. But it really depends depends on the, the weather. Right. And we know how to fight the, vin the mildew, except that we use copper, the cuivre copper, and the copper is not good for the soil. But right. the there's, thing there's is, the thing is, yeah, organic farming is using way less copper than traditional farming. So, so you're saying you use as little as you have to. Exactly. Just like some people use no sulfur, add a little. Some of it occurs, yep. now, you know, in the winemaking and all of that. Um, so the the bulk, I don't like that word bulk. Most what? of the wines that you make oh, are okay. Chenin Blanc, right? Wait, for the white. For Most the white. of our white well, is Chenin Blanc. Right. And Chenin Blanc is just the best grape ever. Because with Anyone who grows Shannon oh, says yeah. that. We are so in love with this type of grapes, you know. But it's wonderful because you can make regular sparkling wine, like uh, Champagne Method. Right. You can make Ancestral Method, like Pet Nut. You can make wonderful dry, wonderful semi-dry, wonderful sweet, sweet wine, wonderful liqueur and everything. And it's just uh, so the diversity an amazing, of the grape yeah, is amazing. An amazing grape. It's a great food wine, too. Of course. Yeah. Um, so you make about you make wines with about what do you say about six different grapes? Five. Five. Yeah. Let's go over them again. Chenin, Gamay, Cote, which is Malbec, Cabernet Franc, Cabernet Franc, a little bit of Sauvignon, and we also have field blended um, grapes to make the rosé wine, and so in. More than 10 grapes, strange grapes mix uh, right, to right, each right. other, which is You'll funny. Some, so, some, some grolo as and well. All of that. Yeah. Um, so, on the red wines, the Cab Franc, is that the bulk of the red wines that you make? Do you make more Cab Franc than anything? What do you. We do not like Cab Franc. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> No. So why are you the one that <laughs> we love? The, the one that we love is Cot, so Malbec, Malbec, and Gamay. That's the two uh, red gra grapes that are supposed to be in Amboise, and the Cap Franc came later to copy what was made on the west. So with Chinon, with Anjou, with Saumur. Right. I think people relate Anjou and Chinon yeah. to the Cap Franc. And Not Cap so Franc got a hard time to to be ripe at our place. So in Amboise, so it's east of Tours. And for example, there is one week, ten days, the difference uh, of uh, maturity uh, between Chinon and Amboise. Chinon is on the west of Tours. Amboise is on the est, east of Tours. And um, the Cap Franc came just to make the copy of the wine on the west. Right. But it's not the right terroir for the Cap Franc. I get that now. So here's my curiosity. People drink Gamay. 
It's made in a bunch of different places. How does the Gamay differ in the Loire than, let's say, Beaujolais? And also, everyone knows Malbec from South America. They know it as a blending grape for Bordeaux. Um, a lot of people drink it, you know, as Malbec. How is it different? So, for me, the, the, the grapes are the same. Yes. So, Gamay from Beaujolais and Gamay from Loire, it's the same grapes, but it's the, the soil and the, um, the latitude. So, east, west, north, south, which makes the difference. And, uh, so, what does that impart? If you put them side by side, you would know the Loire Gamay right away just because you grow it and you're an expert. But what would you taste? Um, is it more mineral? It, is yeah, it I would say I would say for the the gamay from Loire, I would taste more minerality, more saltiness, more freshness, more acidity. Okay. And in the Beaujolais, when it's a good Beaujolais wine, uh, a good Beaujolais gamay, uh, I would say more fruity, more roundness, more yes. um, maybe more able to age. Right. Uh, that's my idea of the gamay. Uh, Th those um, are good descriptions. Beaujolais versus Loire, and that's the same for the, um, the for the cut, the Malbec. But I will compare it more to the Malbec from south of France in Cahors, which will can be more strong, more round, more with less acidity, with uh, less uh, violet flower touch, and and in Loire Valley. You have the saltiness, you have the acidity, you have uh, the tannins, but much more delicate. And uh, the cut, the Malbec, uh, has very uh, good place. It's really, uh, in the Touraine, it's really a good place to grow the, the cut. That, that's interesting. Um, people, of course, should try your wines to uh, find out for themselves. Um, Let's talk about where people can find your wines. Obviously, we're at Jenny and Francois' portfolio um, tasting, and they're your importer, and they do a great job getting it to the States. So the wine is available at restaurants. Yeah, restaurants. Better wine stores. Wine stores. And uh, plenty of restaurants and wine stores here in the New York State. But also in Massachusetts, in New Jersey, right. and I also the sell. Yeah, area in New yeah. England. And I also sell like all the East Coast and all the West Coast. Right. Yeah. You have a different distributor or importer on the West Coast. West Coast is another importer. Right. It's not Jenny. So, if people want more information on the wines. The best place is to go to the website, or where should they go? They should go to our website. There is a lot of information on the What's the, the way the the way we are working, our philosophy, and also the um, the information on the wines. And uh, the where do they go? They go to lagrangetiffen.com. L a g r a n g e t i p h a n e. dot com. Yeah. Com. yeah. Okay. So, or you can go on. Uh, you can ask for information on info at jennyandfrancois.com. Right. Yeah. They have information too yeah. if you're uh, in the business. Um, we'll remind people one more time. This episode is brought to you by you. 
As an independent member supported nonprofit, the amazing content you hear on HRN is made possible thanks to our generous community of members and partners. For 10 years, HRN has been a defining voice in America's food movement, and we never would have made it this far without you. Join us in celebrating an amazing decade of food radio and support our summer fun drive by becoming a member of HRN. You can choose from our member gifts and will receive exclusive discounts on HRN events. We truly believe that with your help, we can change the world and our food system one bite or sound bite at a time. But there's no food radio without you. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate before July 31st to do your part to ensure a bright future for your favorite food podcasts. Coralie, we do a thing on the show called The Wine List. We ask all our guests the same five questions about their wine preferences. This is very easy. Um, it's very interesting to see what people in the business okay. are doing. I'm going to ask you five questions. Don't dwell on them. Um, we post them on our social media, and all, all right. our guests have answered them, so we have a great database. Okay. So the first question is, what are you drinking now? What are you testing, trying? What's interesting you? You know, you're in New York. Are all you right. tasting any? You know, what's today, now, this week, seasonally? Um, so I'm in New York, so it will be more American wine. So okay. I had two good one, two okay. good wine yesterday. Go ahead, tell me what. So one is Bloomer Creek, a dry Riesling from, from Finger, Finger, Lakes. Finger Lakes, exactly. And the other one was a hundred percent Syrah from Sebastopol, Napa Valley, California. And I can remember the winemaker. I'm gonna email you, yeah. and by the time the I show have, airs, you know what? I have the picture. Okay. On my telephone, so but I we can have tell time you. for that. All right. Um, so the answer is when in the U.S. try U.S. wines, and those of are course. a couple things. Oh yeah, and when you go in a place, taste all the local food, all the local wine that goes together, that I, pairs together. I agree with you. And while you were in town, you did a couple of uh, wine dinners, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Next question: Does Coralie have a favorite wine and food pairing? Not something you eat every night, or but you know what's just a great wine and food pairing that you've done more than a few times. What goes well together? Um. Okay, one of my favorite wine is an Aligoté from Olivier and Alice Demore. Okay. And since I would say since ten years. I'm a fan of this wine. And I follow them. And that's always a wine that makes me happy. But the question is wine and food and pairing. pairing. I have it straight, but with um, cheese, local cheese. That okay. goes just well together. Okay, so it's a good wine with cheese. Um, do you have a favorite wine restaurant and or bar and I'm talking about a place that's comfortable to you, that has a great selection, good knowledge. It could be, you know, in the Loire. What's a great wine bar or restaurant that you could think of? Um, last one I did was Racine in New York. Okay. I was very surprised. Okay. I loved all the wine that I tasted. You're not the first person yeah. who said them. So in New but York, Racine. Yeah. So the, uh, the, yeah, I was I, I was feeling very good uh, at this place. Okay. But um, 
Oh, I have another one which I like. Um, the other wine bar, restaurant, it's more a restaurant. Is, That's fine. Okay. Is um, Au Fil du Zinc à Chablis, in Chablis. In Chablis. In Chablis area. And What's it's Au Fil du Zinc. Du Zinc. Ouais. Z-I-N-C. Z-I-N-C. Yeah. And that's a wonderful place. In Chablis, you have such a great wine list, which and is important. Food. And great food. And it's, uh, the chef is Jama Japan, from Japan. And the second in the kitchen is also from Japan. So they create wonderful things. That's a good one. Um, and like I said, I post all your answers on social media because right. people are very interested. If they're in Chablis, they'll okay. remember that restaurant. You may have answered this in the... Other question, but the question is your favorite all-time wine. My favorite what? Your favorite wine ah. of all time. <laughs> you know, did you... Oh, okay. Is there anything? It doesn't have to be the most expensive no, or no, 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 the no. rarest vintage. It could be experiential. Okay. I'm a fan of my own wine. And the one I love for any occasion is Nouveau-Né, the Petnat, Chenin, Petnat, Mont-Louis. Nouveau-Né means new nose, but also newborn like a baby. And for me, it's always, like I said, for the Chablis, I love this wine and I'm fond of the wine and that makes me happy. I would l uh, love wine that makes me happy. That's the answer. And the second wine, which has just, I'm fond of it, is Langlore. Eric Pifferling, that's the, um, the winemaker. Spell his last name. L apostrophe. I don't know how you call that. L yeah. apostrophe. Yeah, that's, so, we know what that is. A-N-J. G. G. A-N-G-O-R-A-E. Langlore. I'm going to... I know yeah, who it is. Okay. And the guy is Eric Pifferling. That's a red wine from south of France in Tavel. And that's a very light red wine. And you drink it like juice. I can empty the bottle by myself. So that's a, uh, an easy and fun wine to drink. Yeah. Okay. Like I said, I'll post that. Here's the last question. Um, and you should be able to answer it. it Maybe a little harder because you're a winemaker. But I always ask our guests, what's the best wine you would recommend to somebody for about 15, 20 United States dollars. So you're talking about not a cheap wine, mm -mm. but not an expensive wine, but a good wine. And I think the Loire may compete in that area. They make a lot of wines that are reasonable. So give me, give me in your mind the best red that's a great value and the best white that is a great value. Best bang for the dollar. Uh-oh. Um, okay. It could be a region. It could be a, like Muscadet. Okay, yeah. It could be any. It doesn't have, have to be a specific maker. I have a white wine. What? That I love. is Muscadet wine. Okay. The name is Domaine de Bellevue. And the name of the winemaker is Jérôme Bretodeau. Spell the winery. Uh, Bellevue. B-E-L-L-E-V-U-E. -E -E. And they're a Muscadet yeah. maker. That's a Muscadet maker. And uh, the name of the wine is Gaia or Justice. And that's such a good okay. white 
muscadet. Give me a, a red like that. A red like that uh, can be... Okay. <laughs> Chenon? Um, it's not Cabernet Franc. It's, it's not Cabernet Franc? <laughs> no. Um, Rosé? Wait, wait. Uh, let me think. Don't let me down on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I have... One that I quite like is um, a red from Gaillac. And um, the type of grape... So the name of the wine is Pérouzel. <laughs> it's hard to, um, to, to write it. Um, and the name of the winery is Cosmarine. Spell for me. C A U. S S E dash M A R I N E S Cosmarine and the name of the wine is Perouzel. Okay. It's a brilliant, easy to drink red wine. And, I like and not expensive. Not expensive. Okay. Yeah. All right. I will. Um, I will um, post all of those, and if I need to double check. Yeah, names or spelling, I'll get back to you. Yeah. Um, Coralie, we have to wrap up the show. Um, let me just do the show ending, and you'll give us a little more information. If you have a question, suggestion, wine happening, or event, hit me up at samatthegrapenation.com. That's samatthegrapenation.com. Follow us on Facebook at The Grape Nation. Follow us on Instagram at sbenruby and the Grape Nation hashtag. On Twitter, at Ben Ruby and the Grape Nation hashtag. You can subscribe to the uh, Grape Nation podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Um, like I said during the show, we'll post Coralie's um, wine list and all her selections. I'll make sure I have everything spelled correctly and set up so that you can go out and try everything. Um, once again, Coralie, if we want to find uh, more about Lagrange Tefane on social media... Are you on Instagram, Facebook, places? That, where can we go? Um, you can go on Instagram, hashtag Lagrange Tiffen. Okay. And there is also a Facebook, um, which is lagrangetiffen.com. Now, on Instagram, do you post fairly regularly? Or? Yes, okay. I try to. So that would be a good place to know <laughs> what's going on with you All in right. the winery. Okay. All right. I want to thank our guest, Coralie Dulcheneau. Got that right. Uh, thanks to our engineers at Heritage Radio. And I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join our community by becoming a member. 
Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.